Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the street. Yes, that's right, folks. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I got to say, man, these buttons have changed my whole outlook on life. I feel like I'm a producer now, like Swiss Beats or something like that. Yeah. It's great times. Fran, what's going on, man? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. Crazy week. I'm alive which really all that matters to me right yes, now. That's always good to be able to say that yeah. in 2020 because 2020 <laughs> is throwing curveballs left and right. It's crazy. Know? Crazy year. It's like uh, being on that game where, you know, everything is uh, wet and sloppy and you're getting hit with the balls. Wipeout. Yeah, Wipeout. Like, yeah, 2020 yeah, yeah. is being, it, we've been in the game Wipeout since uh, like January of 2020. Yeah, you know? it's like I'm I'm at this point looking forward to 2021. Yeah, I think um, we, should just, we should just change the calendar. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know we got to ride out 2020, but. I feel like everything has just been pushed to tw- all the movies, all the plans, yeah. travel. Th- everything is like 2021 is we'll pick that all up. Yeah. 20, 2020 is a scratch. Yeah. Early. It's not even we're not even the summer hasn't even really begun yet. And it's no. already like we'll try again next year. Yeah. All those plans like we'll get we'll get back to them next yeah. year. Just skip a whole year. Like yeah. that's that's yeah. wild. Yeah. To 20, me. You know, when you, well, I mean, when you come out of the gates <laughs> like 2020 has. Yeah. 2020 showed her whole ass. Yeah. And it's like, well, let's just we'll just pick up again next year. Yeah. That's wild. You know, people, you know, uh, the, the restrictions came up just a halfway a bit and people started going nuts, man. People are going to pool parties, sharing hookahs. Yeah. You know, 2020 is wild. And, and I'm really starting to realize, like, oh, people are idiots. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I always kind of knew that. But you go through a little pandemic like this and then, you know, the real kooks come out. Uh, conspiracy theory is no longer a thing anymore. It's just on the news. Yeah. You know, the news is telling you that coronavirus is a lie. Some to tell you everything is just distorted. 2020 is wild. 
Yeah. It's pretty crazy. What's going on uh, with you? I'm alive. Yeah. That's really all you can really say in 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's actually um, this story that came my way when True Crime I wanted to talk to you about is uh, down in Florida, you know, Florida, Florida again. Uh, this mom, and I've heard, not people were defending, but this mom drowned her autistic son like in a lake. Yeah, I did read and, this. And people were saying, you know, it, she was overwhelmed by the time. You know, we don't know where your next meal is coming from, money, whatever. Overwhelmed having a special needs child at home because he's typically uh, in a, you know, school and they help provide help for him and all those kind of things. So it's, yeah. it's really all been on her shoulders. And it's like, I don't know, man. Fuck this lady. So yeah. I'm going to read the story just for people who aren't aware and, and explain why I say fuck this lady because she does something. She did something that we both hate when people do. And uh, I think that makes what she already did was despicable. But then on top of what she also did after she did it, it's like, oh, fuck you. No, no sympathy from me. So anyway, uh, Patricia Ripley, a Southern Florida mother who initially claimed her severely autistic nine year old son had been kidnapped. Ultimately, I want you to guess, don't say it out loud, but I want you to guess who she said kidnapped her son. Uh, ultimately admitted she was to blame for the child's death at a canal, and she said he's, going, he's gone to a better place. That's what she said when she was arrested. Uh, the shocking details of her confession emerged Saturday as Miami-Dade homicide detective detectives booked Ripley, who was 47 years old, into jail on a charge of first-degree murder. The arrest came a little more than a day after, after she reported that Alejandro Ripley had been kidnapped by two robbers who ran up to her car on a Thursday night uh, and a reporter, a report that sparked a frantic statewide manhunt and ended early Friday when his body was found in a pond at the, Mus- the Muskogee Golf and Country Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, authorities said the murder was well-planned and she actually tried drowning Alejandro earlier that same day but was thwarted when a good Samaritan stepped in and rescued the little boy from the water. So she had like tossed him in a lake or something and got caught Mm. and then packed him back up and drove to a more private place and did it again. Yeah. Uh, An hour after that time, she brought the boy to a different canal. This time there was no one there to save him. Uh, Miami Dade, Miami Dade state attorney, Catherine Fernandez Rundle said at a Saturday morning press conference, Alejandro was nonverbal and in the past had attended Greater Heights Academy, a West Kendall school for special needs children. The boy received tutoring at home, and investigators believe the task may have overwhelmed Ripley in recent months. Casey Anthony's also from Florida, man. It's something in that water down there, man. I don't know. It's really, Florida's a hell of a town. Yeah. It really is crazy. Uh, His body was found wearing a, his his body was found wearing a blue Captain America t-shirt. Wow. And diapers. So this kid is severely, he needs help, man. Yeah. And his mom was like, fuck this. Yeah. Which is despicable as hell. The Miami-Dade Medical Examiner's Office was uh, conducting an autopsy uh, the following Saturday. Ripley, a married mother of two, appeared during a brief court hearing on Saturday via closed-circuit television wearing a special gown for inmates under suicide watch. A judge ordered she be held with no bond on account of first-degree murder. She was also charged with attempted first-degree murder because she just tried to do it an hour earlier before she got before she succeeded. Yeah. Her husband, Aldo Ripley, and other relatives appeared at the brief court hearing. They said, we love Alejandro, and we don't, agree with, we don't agree about whatever they said about my wife. I don't, he, uh, Aldo Ripley also said tearfully that it's not real, which, you know, I feel for him, man, because you something despicable and terrible and evil like this happens, and you're still married to that person, and you still love the idea of what this person presented to you, 
and you never knew they were capable of something like this. So you, you got to come out of the gates and, and say that, you know, everything that I'm hearing, it, it must be, there's another explanation yeah. besides she just did this evil thing. There was some kind of psychotic break. It's all the evidence isn't there. I, I don't believe my wife can do this, but it appears she did, man. So yeah. I feel for him. He's going to have to come to grips with that. Uh, her defense attorney, Nelson Rodriguez Valera, declined to speak about the allegations. What he did say was, we're going to leave that to another day to discuss. There is obviously a great deal of support for her. By who? I don't know. I guess her, her husband and her kids. By all accounts, she has been an excellent mother, an excellent person. So, And, you know, defense attorneys got to do their, th- their thing. You know, you, know, you got to stand yeah. by your client. So. Gross a little bit. But. Yeah. Oh, it's very gross. Uh, it was th- especially because there's a person who goes, yeah, he was just drowning like an hour before. Yeah. So if your kid almost drowns, if you want to even play like it was an accident or anything like that, them drowning an hour before, you go, okay, swimming day is done now. Yeah. You, we're going to go home, and we'll try again in a couple of weeks or something if you really want to go swim. Not an hour later somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know what their defense is going to be, but if it's anything like an accident, you know, that's bullshit. You know, if they they better go for, like, psychotic break or something. Yeah. They're going to use the whole the the stress of the coronavirus and the financial and mental stress of this. I think she she slipped into some kind of, you know, catatonic, you know, it's some, they're going to do something like that. Coronavirus is going to be the focal point of her defense. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was Thursday night when Ripley called the police with a dramatic and bizarre tale. A light blue car forced her off the road near near West Kendall Home Depot. Two black men. <laughs> <laughs> were inside the car. One of the men jumped out, she told Miami-Dade police, and demanded drugs. When she told them she didn't have any, the man, armed with a knife, took her child and her, and her cell phone and, and a tablet and drove off. A statewide Amber Alert was issued for, a child, for the child, but it was canceled Friday morning when the boy's body was found at the Gulf Canal. Investigators were immediately suspicious of the kidnapping as Ripley gave conflicting details about the kidnapping according to a police report obtained by the Miami Herald. She continued giving conflicting statements, but Miami-Dade homicide detectives confronted her with evidence that her story didn't check out. Video surveillance footage showed her pushing the little boy into the canal during the first attempt to kill the boy at about 7.20 p.m., according to the police report. The Good Samaritan rescued the boy and even offered to call the police. Exactly how she explained the boy being in the water was unclear. Uh, a source familiar with the family said a, secure, a security camera at Home Depot near where the alleged abduction took place showed Ripley sitting in her car alone without, Ale, without Alejandro for 20 minutes before she called the police at 8.47 p.m. to give her whole story about black men stealing her child and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where she was sitting in there formulating her plan, I assume. Uh, the arrest echoed the infamous case of Susan Smith who drowned her two young children by strapping them in a car and rolling it into the South Carolina lake in 1994. Dang. Smith, a white woman, initially told police that she had been carjacked by... Two black men. ...sparking a frantic search that lasted 12 days. So, uh, we've talked about this a few times on here, you know, people using the mythical black man, this hooded black man, mysterious, corn road, whatever nondescript black man as their assailant when they in themselves in fact committed the crime and the reason that her despicable crime of killing her son is even more despicable is that for 12 to 24 hours before they figured out her story was bullshit they were looking for two black dudes in a blue ford whatever and that put any black man in a blue ford whatever in absolute danger yeah and i was just about to speak on that what pisses me off is that 
uh, for them to do crimes like this and just to be, um, what's the word I want to use? Selfish to, yeah. for them just like, I want, I need to get away with this. Mm-hmm. Let me throw they it on somebody else. You don't know the, the domino effect of somebody could have died that day. Absolutely. An innocent person could have died that day. Just having yeah, their hood Another up innocent person. Like, yeah. that's crazy. For sure. Just because y'all want to get away with, that's, that's wild. Not man. even having, not even having a hood up because at this point, you're now blanketing it to just dudes in cars. Yeah. So because you know they go maybe a blue Ford could just be any type of car. So you go blue car, two black dudes, and they killed a little boy. Yeah. Or they kidnapped a little autistic boy, and they have uh, they and they're armed with knives. Yeah. So any blue car that's being pulled over that night with two black dudes in it, they're immediately thinking there could be a kid in the trunk. So they're already coming in hot. Yeah, holler, yeah. So yeah. It's, it doesn't, now already it's a tense situation. Yeah. You know, and we already know how those stories can go sometimes, and you've added fuel to the fire because they already have a reason to pull over this car that they're pulling yeah. over. So she didn't think of any of that, of course, and they never do. None That's of these crazy. people that have ever gone, oh, it was a black dude, but I did it, or, you know, what? they never think of that, but it's easy to it's easy to throw it on another community that's being, you know, oppressed in some kind of way or has a stigma against them in some kind of way it's easy to throw it on them so you get some kind of alibi or some kind of time to continue to formulate your story it gives you a little bit of space to get away let me throw it over here and i'm gonna go ahead and sneak out the back door you know but they don't consider what that could end up doing to somebody else's family you know somebody could have lost their son that night because he reached for the glove compartment the wrong way and they thought he had an autistic boy in his trunk yeah so i just wanted to touch on that story because i heard people talking about it a lot uh other than that um, I don't really have anything else I want to talk about. So, you know, I got a random question for you. Of I'm sorry, random, a random yeah, question. Random question. Is that like random? Yes, but it's from Frank. Uh, yeah. I see what you did there. Like that. Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's right. okay. That's clever. Go I need you it. to listen. Okay. Give me your best answer. All right. Okay. Is this like an A B C question? No, 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 no. Okay. So the question is. Okay. If someone was going to borrow your body mm, for the oh. next few months. Borrow my body? Yeah. Oh. Borrow your body for the next few months. What would you want them to know about the way your body works? Ooh. If somebody was to borrow my body for the next few months, yes. what would I want them to know about it? No. Yeah. How your body works. About how my body works. Yeah. Okay. Um, for one, my right knee clicks a lot. <laughs> That's one. That's out of the gates. Two, my right Achilles has been ruptured. So, you know, you got to really stretch up. You got to really stretch out before you go doing any th- kind no of physical. Athletic. Yeah, you can't just go cold. Yeah, okay. You got to do right. 20 minutes of stretching and warming up before you go do anything. Okay. Uh, three, uh, I get dirt under my nails easily. Okay. And my toenails do curl if you don't cut them. Ugh. You got to cut them pretty regularly. You say how long? It's gross, man. How long? A few months. A few months? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to gotta cut them things regularly because they'll grow back over into themselves mm. if you don't you gotta clip them because they curl they'll curl right back around and go into like a, themselves. like a ram's horn yeah uh-huh yeah Ugh, they'll ram's horn gross, right man. back into my skin foot yeah yeah so you gotta you gotta you gotta stay on those pretty regularly other than that um no ed to be to be seen i'm, st- I'm still pretty uh um virile at 20 uh-huh. 28 years old you know no no blue pills in my in my uh in my medicine cabinet so that's a good thing uh-huh. for anybody who's borrowing my body <laughs> um hmm let's see Couple months, a few months. Hmm. Um, well, if they if they come, if they take it over next month, I am doing keto. So this isn't a, a, an advisory, more of like a request. Uh, Please follow that for at least a month because I want to see what the results do. Okay. I'm, am I floating in the brain, or am I just gone? Like I go in a, a coma state and then I come back and my body's I'm in it again. Yeah. What is that? Or am I like, can I see through my eyes, but I'm in my brain? What's the what's the 
No, you going like a, I'm a, gone a and cult. then I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd love. I would love for you to um, do keto for a month. Take some um, before and after photos, so I can see the results. So that when I wake awake back in my body, I know if I should. What continue. is this, a diet? Yeah, keto. Okay. Is, I'm not going to go into keto. All People right. know what keto is out there. Um, and then my last thing is, um, I really like to be uh, smothered as I sleep. You get the best production out of my body if you. Yeah, I have like a 30 pound weighted blanket. Why? Oh, I love to just be. Uh, trapped while i sleep it's my favorite hmm. i've always been the guy like i always like throw pillow when i was a kid i used to put all the pillows on me yeah i'll take the back of you know how the the pillow couches have that those two big backs yeah. of the for the cushion of your spine mm. i'll just take that off there and lay put it on me and just That's sandwich crazy. myself under the under the big pillow in the the couch itself yeah we do at the max. We throw a pillow, pillow on top of it. He might be a one like me. You should think about getting him on a weighted blanket. Not a 30-pound. He's a little baby. But maybe yeah. like a three-pound, four-pound. Yeah. I, I like to just be constrained. Yeah. Um, And that'll get you the best production out of this body. Hmm. Um, Other than that, that's about that's it. it. I, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's Very descriptive answers. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know me. Yeah. And I know I want to give, you know, if, if I was going to let somebody borrow my car, I would go, look, man, you got to put that unleaded in there. Yeah, you got to yeah, do yeah. this. I like to get a car wash every now and then. So, boom, and bring it back three quarters full. I, those are my little rules. That's <laughs> yeah. my, I got those for my body for sure. Okay. That was a very random, random, random. Yeah, random. Very, very random question. Yeah. Interesting. Do you have an answer or is, how does this work? Do you, am I asking you or you ask the questions here? No, I asked, I asked the questions you answered. Fair enough, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, fair enough. Yeah. It's random. It's for you. Okay, okay. You no. answer him. I oh. ask. That's it. Say no, say no more. Say no more. Just lay the law down. So that's yeah. the lay the law down horn. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. That was a very, yeah, it was a very good, I love a good, a good random question. Yes. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, obviously, we're going to talk about some more of that fucked up shit. I'm going to play, if I can find it, this is uh, Pure Love by Haley Williams. Mm. And uh, so mm. check out her album, by the way. Great album. And we'll be Tweet her. Here. Tell I love her. Yeah. Sure, do that. <laughs> 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 and we'll be right back. The opposite. The opposite of love is fear. I'm still trying to get. You know me Wait till I open up to you If I All right, and we are back. Fran, prepare yourself, because okay. it's my turn to go first this week. Yep. And my affirmative murder is the story of Clementine Barnabet. Clementine uh, Barnabet. Clementine Barnabet. Through my research, I actually found out that a friend of the pods, Fruit Loops podcast, uh, did this story on like episode four of theirs or something like that. But, you know, people tell stories different ways, so, you know. When I started doing the research, I was like, this story's crazy. I got to tell this story. Yeah. So, um, like I said, this is the story of Clementine Barnabet. I got my uh, information from reallifevillains.com. It, mm-hmm. was a, it was like a blog site and mentalfloss.com. Mentalfloss. Mentalfloss.com. Yep, that will be coming up later. Mentalfloss. You use the same site? Yes, sir. It, it's, it's, you know, I like a, I like a site that kind of 
you know, uh, it's not so like medical and yeah. like uh, formal. Yeah. Just a little bit of pers- in, uh, personality in the reading so I can get interested. Yeah. As opposed to like on Sunday the 31st and then yeah. at 6, 6 p.m. a quote from a detective, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Great name, by the way. Shout out to Mental, mental Flaws. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. So Clementine Barnabet was born sometime around 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana. Also, I want to say, uh, you know, I caught some flack from a listener who is from Louisiana who said, hey, man, don't come in my town like that. Mm. New Orleans is a hell of a town. And I just want to clarify what I said, okay? I think New Orleans is a great town. I have dreams of going there someday. I'm just scared of the voodoo, man. And I'm not saying every other place don't have voodoo, but they're very um, known for having, you know, heebie-jeebies and spooky-spookies, you know? Um, Coincidentally, the time I was thinking about going to New Orleans was for the Voodoo Festival. You know, they have a music... Well, it's a music festival, and Childish Gambino was one of the headliners. So I was like, Childish Gambino and Rainbow Kitten Surprise, which is a band I really like. Um, Things fell apart. We didn't end up up going. But coincidentally, the time I was thinking about planning a trip to go to New Orleans was for the Voodoo Festival. So they do things like that. Like, they aren't... they'll, They'll let that be a part of their tourism. Like, oh, yeah, spirits and ghosts. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm i not anti-New Orleans. It's not like I'm like, this. it's full of criminals. I'm from Baltimore, man. I'm not scared yeah. of, like, a crime rate or something like that. Yeah. I just don't like heebie-jeebies and spooky-spookies. Yeah. And so I just wanted to clarify that. Down, Which, what they say? Down by the bayou? Is that what they say in New Orleans? They New definitely Orleans? have a lot of bayous down there in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Eve's Bayou. There was some uh, spooky-spookies and heebie-jeebies in that movie. So, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm... Uh, getting all my all of my stuff is from television and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing personal. Yeah. New Orleans, I mean, uh, Lil Wayne seems like he might have some heebie-jeebies and spooky spookies. Yeah. He definitely looks like he stinks. Yeah. I'm not saying New Orleans stinks. I'm just saying th- he's a representative. <laughs> you know, he, you know, Lil Wayne is kind of scary looking. Yeah. You know, so just know that. Yeah. But it's no, nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> now back to my story that is going to involve a lot of heebie-jeebies and spooky spookies. Yeah. So this isn't helping my feelings towards New uh, Louisiana, and, oh, but. Okay. I feel how I feel. Down in New Orleans, huh? Down in well, no, not New Orleans. Oh, not New Orleans. Uh, this is uh, Martinsville. Oh, is that that's Louisiana still? And that's yeah, where Boosie is. That's where Boosie from, right? Uh, yeah, I think he's from New Orleans as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but Louisiana, all the same, still yeah. the same state. Yeah. Um. So this is she was uh she was born in Martinsville, Louisiana. After moving to Lafayette in 1909, she and her father Raymond Barnabet started the cult known as the Church of Sacrifice. Here we go. Which oh yeah which was led by Raymond, Clementine, and her brother, Zephyrin Barnabet, yeah. as well as two others. Okay. The church taught that those who killed families, Raymond and Clementine deemed sinners, would gain eternal life. That makes sense. So they pick them out, they go, yeah, no, they're unclean. Kill them, and then that's good for you. Yeah. It's like a, um, a reward system. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it's like... Um, it's like joining Amway or one of those things where you sell, you know, it's like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's like you do my murder and then you move up into the next thing and then you get a p- people under you and then they'll do murders for you and then you, and then you move up you and then you make money. Yep. Then, then you make money. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, early one afternoon in late January 1911, a police officer in West Crowley, Louisiana, received an urgent phone call. Neighbors feared something was terrible had taken place at 605 Western Avenue home of the buyers. And indeed, when Officer Ballou arrived, he found the home's three occupants, a man, a woman, and a small boy, lying in bed with their skulls split open. Mm. The bed was drenched in blood, and bloody footprints speckled the floor. The doors were locked, indicating that the killer had come through a window and murdered the family while they slept. There was a bucket of blood in one corner. 
and the head of the bed just above the bashed in bodies stood a bloody ox, a bloody axe, oh. not an ox. I'm sorry. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Just an ox in the room. That'd be crazy. Uh, almost as crazy as what, I, as what actually happened. Yeah. Uh, the local newspaper called it the most brutal murder in the history of Louisiana. But it was just one of the axe slangs that would terrify parts of Louisiana and Texas in the early 1910s. I'm guessing it was just one hit for both of them. I would assume. But oh, I would guess, but I don't know. I mean, I didn't get that detail, but I would assume, I mean, if you swing it right, that's it. Yeah. You don't need to, unless you're going, you know, if you're bloodthirsty, yeah. you just keep smashing, smashing away. But, I mean, I would assume, yeah, one, you know, they get one, they're all asleep. I would assume they're all asleep and they just bam, bam, bam. bam. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you sp- focus on one, other people might wake up and then yeah. you got a real yeah, if you like fight on your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um the local newspaper called it Oh, I read that already. Oh, I'm sorry, no, I didn't read that. The local newspaper called it the most brutal murder in the history of Louisiana, but it was just one of the acts oh, I did read this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Clementine arrived at Lafayette and targeted the Andrus family. They entered the Andrus fam the Andrus house and butchered them, including mm. an eleven month old baby girl. It's a baby. Yes. Before leaving them gruesomely arranged in the bed, by then the police began to suspect their crimes were so similar they may have been the work of the same terrible monster. So these are just random. Yes. Well, random probably to the Barnabet family, but to the people that they have under them, they're like, these were God or the devil, whoever they work for has deemed these people terrible. But I'm sure they kind of just... They killed people. Everybody they killed, for the most part, was like mother, father, kid. It I'm was talking, always like a least, okay. I mean, like realistically. Oh yeah, they were just. It was just random. Yeah, random. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they didn't like how they looked. Maybe they didn't like you know, two parent households. I don't know, but yes, yeah. Of course, it was random. There's no spiritual. Yeah. Somebody's pointing them out to anybody. What is this like? Some type of sign of schizophrenic? Schizophrenia? I don't know, because it's three people. I don't know. I, Three one people, of them. yeah. Whoever the <laughs> whoever the leader is, who's the dad, and that yeah. that gets interesting. Let me let me uh get back because how the dad ended up going out. Okay, very interesting. Um, so like I said, they entered the Andrews home and they butchered them, including an 11 month old girl, before leaving them gruesomely arranged in the bed. But then the uh, police began to suspect their crimes were so similar that they may have been the work of the same terrible monster. So they they uh, connected the Andrews murder and the Barnabet. I mean, I'm not the Barnabet. The uh, the Andersons. Yeah. No. I'm, oh, was it Andersons? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm saying their name right. Um, occupants. The 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 buyers. Yeah, it was the buyers. Oh, buyers. Yeah, the yeah, buyers. Right, yeah. The buyers and the aunt and the Andrus's family. Okay. They were like, this is this is similar. Yeah. So they started to connect the dots on that. So I'm guessing acts with those two. It's just it's the same. Routine. Same motive. Same. Okay, same. Not only same routine, but like same mother, father, kid. Okay. It's like so three. maybe it's not random. Well, it's random, but I think that's their target. Is like a, they want to kill a whole family. Okay, that's what I mean. Yeah, they, yeah so okay. they yeah. they kill families. Yeah, obviously, of course, it's random, but they select their pool of of randomness is families. Yeah. So if you're not a family, you're 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 not in the pool. Has to fit the criteria exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, later on in the month in San Antonio, Texas, Alfred and Elizabeth Cassaway were murdered in a similar fashion, along with their three children. Yeah. But imagine. Imagine you ha- want to have a beautiful family, yeah. and you fit a criteria of of killers. Yeah, you don't even know that what's is, going on. Well, that's wild. You're to me, focused man. on trying to get a promotion at your job and build that perfect dream home, and all the while, is somebody in the shadows judging you and putting you into some weird box and that thinking about. Crazy. Yeah, no, you never know, man. It really is a crazy fucking world, man. 
I think about that often when I think about um, women who get sexually assaulted, murdered, and all these kind of things. They're just living their life. They put on a nice dress for the day. I look cute. I'm doing my makeup a certain kind of way. I'm going to my job. I got an interview today. And all the while, they're walking the streets, doing whatever they're doing. There's some dude like around a corner yeah. following them making up these whole fantasy in their mind yeah. about them being together and all these kind of things. And you have, and they have, they're just living their life. Yeah. With Ted know? Bundy, he went after like blonde haired women, right? Wasn't Some, that yeah, name? something like that. I mean, he, he, he had a type, you know, uh, and those women were just, yeah, living their life. Wow. And then all of a sudden this guy stumbles up. It's like in you. Yeah. Those girls, they don't even know. They think they met this nice guy. And all the while he's like, Oh, I met you six months ago. <laughs> that shows crazy. I've <laughs> been standing across the street. Yeah, I've been. Oh yeah, I know where you live, and everything. And then he's like, "Oh, you live here?" He's like, "Oh, I knew that. That's where I stand when I watch you, when I masturbate while you sleep." It's crazy. That show. I can't wait to that show. Come I back, know. Man. I really still think it's dangerous, man. I really think it's dangerous. I, can't wait. I really think it's dangerous, but it is a really good show. I don't like pe- the way they the way they romanticize him is is dangerous. Yeah, but women love it. <laughs> can't have both ways. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. I, I just don't want Joe to be like, oh, I want somebody to love me like Joe loves me. I feel like those are Twitter jokes, but they like him. Yeah. He's a handsome guy on a yeah. TV show, and I think they're not they're missing the point of the show. Yeah. They're like, oh man, He's I hope Joe gets out of this one. It's yeah. like, no, you don't you shouldn't be hoping that. Yeah. You should hope he gets caught. But I'd be hope I'd be, you know, I'd be sitting at home hoping he gets out of it too. Yeah, I, me too. Admittedly. I don't know. Yeah. It's t- the show is complicated, man. Um, back to the story. After a few false leads, because they just um, they killed another family in San Antonio, like I said, the Castaway family. Mm-hmm. After a few false leads, police focused on Raymond Barnabat, a local petty criminal and sharecropper from Lafayette who lived in the back part of town. Raymond was arrested based on suspicions from his mistress. Check this out. It's always it's all you never don't ever piss women off if you're doing dirt because. Mm-hmm. They will, you know, they they hold all the secrets. Oh, yeah. So you don't want the person that's holding all your secrets to fucking turn on you. Yeah. So anyway, um, he was arrested after based on suspicious suspicion from his mistress. After a fight, she'd griped about him to a friend and suggested a possible connection to the murders. So they got into a fight with each other. And he's like, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to get into it. But, you know, I'm, Raymond does some very, you know, interesting things on the weekend. That's all I'm going to say, girl. But I'm going to get up out of here. And then her friend was like, what? Excuse me? Uh, 911. Boom. <laughs> here's, a, here's a tip. Yeah. You know. Uh, <clears throat> realizing they were done. Realizing they were done for if Raymond cracked. Clementine and Zephyrin testified against their own father, Raymond, in court. Delivering false testimony to pin all the killings on him. With Raymond in jail, the church was safe to continue its killing spree, starting with the Randall family. Mm-hmm. So when when the dad got pinched, they were like, he might crack. So we're going to make up a whole story where he did everything mm-hmm. and testify against him in court. And then all those put murders, all those murders, we get a clean slate. Yeah. So all those murders are, are solved and put on dad. And then we can you keep the new. church going. Yeah. And we can keep the church going and start fresh. And they started with the Randall family. Yeah. On November 26, 1911. Norbert Randall, his wife, and three children, and nephew were all murdered in Lafayette in the same heinous fashion, but with one, hor- one horrific addition. While the rest of the family was attacked with an axe, Norbert was shot in the head. Mm. It was clear a killer was on the loose. Lafayette Parish Sheriff Lu- Louis Lacoste, who was already suspicious of Raymond's children, arrested them both. His suspicion stemmed in part from the fact that they had a reputation around town. During Raymond's trial, their neighbors, um, the Stevens family, described them as filthy, shifty degenerates, mm. which is not 
how you want to be described when you're being uh, implicated in murders. Yeah. Because filthy, gener- filthy uh, shifty degenerates are usually the next suspect when there's more stuff, when there's more illegal activity going on. Yeah. So he, he, he wrote their name down in pencil, even though they, they testified against their dad or whatever. It's like, okay, well, this is solved, but I'm going to keep that in mind. And then another murder happened? Going right to Clementine and fucking uh, Zephyrin. Yeah. Uh, but so this just this time they used a gun. I'm sorry? Also, they used a gun also. Yeah, I mean, I would assume, you know, he might have put up a fight. It might have been, you know, it, he they didn't, they didn't catch him slipping. So yeah. they had to have some kind of defense because if you miss an axe swing, you're you're open. Okay, I yeah. thought I thought he was just trying to switch it up. Nah, I don't know. If, I don't I know if they were so. like got bored or something. I feel like that. No, was, I mean, like we can do the axe, but also we're gonna shoot one of them. It could have been that, but the fact that it was the head of the household, the father, I feel like it was more like we can't take him, mm-hmm. so let's get him out of here, and then we can axe the the wife and the kids and all the, those are they're more helpless. But this guy, he might have been big. It's like let's just get him out of the way. They did it last. I don't know if they did it last. So that I don't know. That I don't have the details on. Yeah. But it could it could have just been them switching it up. Maybe, you know, stuff got, you know, temperamental or something. Yeah. I don't know, you know. Uh, so they, when police came to arrest, uh, uh, yeah, so there was a detail that also concerned Lacoste as to, you know, for another reason for him to suspect Clementine and her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, the detail was that when police came to the Barnabet resident, residents to arrest Raymond blood believed to be from the Andrus murders had been discovered on Clementine's clothes. Mm. She testified during her father's trial that he had wiped the blood there himself, but the sheriff wasn't so sure. Mm. But again, you got two people testifying. You got to go off their words, but he was in the back. Like, hmm, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm pencil that in and circled their name just yeah. in case some other shit happens, which is smart. It's what a detective should do. His suspicions were proven valid when deputies arrested Clementine and searched the family's home. Inside, they found more damaging evidence. As the Daily Picayune reported, as a local newspaper at the time, reported on November 28, 1911, there was a complete suit of women's clothes in her, in her room, uh, saturated with blood and covered with human brains. Mm. Not only that, but the latch on their door was covered in blood. Zephyrin provided an alibi for the night of the murders, but Clementine had none and was taken to jail. So Zephyrin might be the real kind of mastermind behind this because yeah. he seems to always stay out of the fray. She was found guilty. However, the church continued killing under Zephyrin's leadership. So, you know, one one goes down, another one steps up and takes over. So um, so he took over. In January, two, in January 1912, three more families were murdered. Damn. In the third instance, when Felix Broussard, his wife, and their three children were killed in Lake Charles, Louisiana, the killer or killers splayed the victims' hands apart with pieces of wood and left them handwritten messages on the wall. What year was this? 1912. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But say nobody has alarm systems? No. <laughs> no, I mean, no. A dog, anything? No, I mean, I would shit. a dog perhaps, but these people don't give a shit about no dog. And police response time was probably trash. They oh, gotta yeah. fucking get on a horse or something and come to your house. You know, good luck. And you live like, you have like eight miles of land, so it's, you know it's a whole journey. Probably gave him hella time too to to come up with the next plan or next. Oh yeah, man. You know, man, the time it takes to solve a crime back then. I mean, you, like I said, I think this is still time. You still had a chance of moving to another county and just saying you're somebody else. Yeah. And there's no files or anything like that. At least for a while. Uh, um. Oh yeah. Some sources say the messages the, the message was written in blood. So they left messages on the wall. Some people say the messages were written in blood. Others say in pencil. 
Either way, the letters spelled a spooky sentence, which I, you know, I don't really know much about Bible verses. So I tried to read this in a few ways to try to really understand it. But, you know, sometimes those those quotes from the Bible sound like gibberish to me. The quote was, when he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Okay. That's what they wrote. Take take of it what you will. If you if you know what that means, know what it means. And for me, it's like he's elaborate. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like I don't know. You know. Humble people say stuff about murder. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it, it's a version of Psalms nine twelve in the King James Bible. The message was signed the Human Five. The number in the signature led police to think a band of murderers was at work, and it was and it also gave the group a nickname picked up by the press. The Human Five Gang, which isn't very creative. They they wrote Human Five, and they're like, you're the Human Five Gang. Yeah. You know, just put gang at the end of it, I guess. That makes it a, a cool nickname. I've been pissed. I'm like, y'all, can y'all give me a better name than that? Just or? call us the Human Five. Make it, <laughs> It's more sleek that way. Yeah. Anyway, around the same time, rumors were swirling that Clementine was the leader of some kind of cult called Church of Sacrifice, which was supposedly led by one Reverend King Harris, a Pentecostal revival preacher with a small congregation connected to the church to the Christ-sanctified Holy Church. Police took Harrison for interrogation after rumors of religious involvement ran rampant, but the Reverend had never heard of a church of sacrifice and was visibly shaken to think that his sermons could have possibly inspired a series of bloody axe murders. Mm-hmm. So basically what happened was the press really fueled the voodoo and the, the sacrificing and all, and it became bigger than the, the story. Yeah. Even though the story was so big, it was very much like, oh, Clementine is a cult leader. And so anybody who she's ever been associated with started getting bad raps. And this 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 pastor is one of them. He, he just is a regular church pastor. And he's like, I never, what? <laughs> they brought him in and everything. You know, yeah. like, I don't know anything about any of this. You know, I just I just exploit people and ask them to give me their money. Their yeah. last hard earned, hard earned dollar. I don't fucking kill people. Anyway. Eventually, investigators would get at least get at least some of their answers on April 5th, 1912. Clementine made a full confession, admitting to 17 murders. Mm. She claimed she had bought a voodoo charm meant to protect her while committing her crimes and said that she and her accomplices drew straws to see who would commit the murders. She also said that uh, she disguised herself as a man to better lurk unnoticed at night. The Daily Picanu noted that she declared she killed the children because she did not wish for them to be left orphaned in the world. Oh, it's so nice of you, Clementine. That's so, so sweet. She thought she was doing a good deed. Thought she was doing them. She didn't want them to end up in the, in the you know, um, the child. Uh, what is that called? The system of you know, orphan child system. So kill them. Wow. Duh. Duh. I guess I don't know. <laughs> uh. Oh, her motives for the crimes, however, were never made clear. It was clearly difficult to keep Clementine's story straight. She had previously testified in court that her father was the dangerous man behind the murders, but they kept happening. She gave names for her accomplices, but when Sheriff Lacoste investigated them, they went nowhere. Several, mess, several arrests were made, but the search for the rest of the Human Five gang was at, was at a dead end. The district attorney, Howard E. Brenner, theorized that some of these murders were copycat crimes, but he believed that Clementine was a moral pervert who was guilty of everything she confessed to. And Clementine had also admitted to caressing the corpses after she had killed them. What? Yeah, so she had, you know, kind of spent time with them. and Blood laid. on her hands and whatnot? Yeah, that, the bloody suit. Clothes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Despite investigators' suspicions regarding Clementine's confession, the stories about her continued to circulate. 
Brunner officially filed charges against her on April 14, 1912. While she sat in jail, she confessed to a total of 35 murders. Damn. But kept retelling her story with different details that make it diff- that make it hard to know the truth. Because she's a liar. Because she's a liar and also because she might be protecting the church that she's a part of. It, you know, if she takes all the, just like they did to her dad, if she takes all the, it's like, I got caught. Five murders, 35 murders, they're going to give you the same life in jail, hang you, whatever. It's yeah, the same thing. So I might as well take all of them, clear them, and then they can go out and continue. That's my theory. I, didn't, I don't have any, yeah. any proof of that. But the, they did it to her dad. Now, he didn't get to, <laughs> he didn't get to choose. To, he didn't like get to sacrifice himself. Yeah. But they sacrificed him. And maybe she sacrificed herself to give them a clearing to start fresh. That's crazy. You know, it's possible. So it's, it's a very interesting scene in The Wire where Weebay does that. I know you haven't seen The Wire, mm-hmm. but Weebay is like the hitman for this gang. Mm-hmm. And he gets he gets popped on like, you know, five murders. So he just takes 10 more mm-hmm. that he didn't do. Yeah. Just to solve them and get them off people that are out. You know, you're going to do life. You're going to do life. Savage. The, uh, the deal they offered him was we'll take the death penalty off the table. But you're not you're never getting out of jail. He's like, all right, cool. Get me another chicken sandwich and I'll tell you about some more murders. That's crazy. You know, I think I can sit in jail. With, you know, one count of murder. I'm not getting out on one uh-huh. count. But for me to go in there and get like, I'll take on 10 more counts of murder, but I'm still not getting out. I, I think psychologically, I couldn't, I couldn't, mentally, I couldn't. I don't know why. What's I, the difference? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know bothers me. Maybe just having one, like, I may have a chance of maybe that something, something changes. Something the law could change. Yeah, something changes and I get out. Yeah. I but when it. you got 10 against you. You're not. You, you're under the jail. Yeah. You're not ever getting out. Ever. Well, actually, no, let me, you know what? Hold that thought that you okay. just said that. Because right. maybe in 1912, things were a little bit different. Let me, let, me, <laughs> okay. let, me, let me continue the story. Hold on to your thought. All right. So uh, despite investigators' suspicions regarding Clementine's confession, the stories about her continued to circulate. Brenner officially charged, I read this already, sorry. Uh, she confessed to 35 more murders, or 35 total. But she kept retelling the stories and the different details. Da, 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 da. Her defense attorneys claimed she was insane. But she stood trial and was sentenced to life at Louisiana Penitentiary at the age of 19. Damn. She attempted an escape on July 31st, 1913, but was caught the same day. Despite her escape attempt, she was considered a model prisoner. And what happens to model prisoners, Fran? They get reduced time. Exactly. Clementine somehow managed to get out of jail in 1923. What? Strangely With enough. With what? 35 counts of murder? That is why. <laughs> Strangely enough, there was more than one set of axe murders terrorizing Louisiana around the same time. Nearby, the murders of the infamous axe man of New Orleans, which I've done in this story, the, the infamous uh, murders of the axe man of, New, of New, New Orleans tormented locals in the late 1910s. The killings have never been solved, and several decades earlier, a, a killer sometimes called the Servant Girl Annihilator, which mm. I think I might have done on this as well, but I believe the fall line podcast did a, a full extensive uh story on this person or is going to mm-hmm. um very that's a very um crazy story the servant girl annihilator story anyway uh so the servant girl annihilator also committed several axe murders in the 1880s in austin texas the crimes for this have never been solved many people believe it's possible that clementine and or her cult cult was responsible for all three of these separate murderous occasions the Axe Man of New Orleans, her own murders with, with her father and her brother, and the Servant Girl Annihilator. Mm-hmm. There's no proof to this, but, you know, Reddit goes, goes crazy. People have theories. It's all yeah. kind of close to the same time. And she, they were killing people in San Antonio and other parts of Texas and as well as, New, as Louisiana. 
So it all, it, they all, their footprint is all over all of that, and an axe was involved. Yeah. So, uh, of course, people are going to speculate. Now, allegedly, this is interesting. This is where it got creepy for me. Allegedly, in 1985, a woman living in Louisiana visited her 103-year-old grandmother. Damn. Who told her the story of Clementine Barnabet. Soon after the granddaughter, soon after the grandmother died of old age, and the woman, uh, the woman found a photo of her grandmother when she was younger, which was an exact match for Clementine. What? Wait, so who was the lady that went to go visit her? Her granddaughter. This uh, is like a this is a little anecdotal thing. I don't have like a name or oh, any kind of no year or nothing like that. Nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So again, that was anecdotal. Wow. I don't know if that. I don't know how true that is, but I I wanted to read it because it really sent chills down my spine. She did all that crazy bad shit, and she lived to one hundred and three. And she lived to one hundred and three. So what's the point of being a good Samaritan, man? <laughs> there, as that was why I said that. <laughs> what's the point of eating clean and, and not, you know, following the Ten Commandments and not being an asshole to people? Because people who murder 35 people sometimes get to live to be 103. Yep. People who smoke cigarettes every day uh, live to be 95 years old and somebody might smoke cigarettes for a couple years and die of cancer at 50. Yep. It's just, man, the world's crazy. Yep. The world's crazy. And 2020's really opened up my eyes to that even more. I was yep. always kind of nihilistic and like, what's the point of all this, man? Just yeah. fucking live. You live and then you die. Yep. But 2020 is like... You could be the most nicest person, whatever, but you, you may die tomorrow. Uh-huh. And somebody that may do something crazy may live... <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. Forever. You know, it's like... Wow. 103 years old. Doesn't matter. Yeah, man. That's fucked up. Not man. saying you gotta do crazy bad shit. No, no, just, no. Of course. We're yeah, not yeah. We're not anarchy. We're not yeah. the Joker. Don't mm-hmm. lo- don't confuse our words for us being like, go out and commit anarchy. Yeah. No, never that. But, you know, maybe ease up a little bit. Have that second... Yep. Have the fries and the and the burger. Don't get yeah. the burger with the salad. Get the burger with the fries, man. Fuck it. That's twenty. That's 2020's uh, anthem, man. Fuck it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, just get get it, man. Whatever you want to do, whatever do makes it. you happy, just just do, do it, it, man. Just do it, man. They <laughs> like, found another dimension, possibly another uh, universe. That shit is yeah, wild. So I, I don't like, even want to. Tom backwards. Yeah, like, what? It's like, man, fuck this, man. Get what you want. You want to get that extra scoop of ice cream? Shit man. is hitting the fan, yeah, man. Man, fuck that. <laughs> at first, I was laughing at people because a lot of people went and bought uh, the Carnival Cruise tickets are dirt cheap right now. And I think cruises are already kind of gross just because it's just crammed in with all these people. But yeah. again, now it's got this virus going around. It's even more gross. Yeah. And everybody thought the cruise industry was going to die. But Carnival's like, fuck that, man. You can get a ticket for $85. Who wants to come? And they have been jumping out of the gym with ticket sales. I bet. Fre- but I'm talking about they're talking about going back on cruises this year. Wow. I, you know, and at first I was like, what an idiot. But hey, fuck it, man. You get free ice cream 24-7. You remember how much fun Everything we had on that? Everything's free. Everything's free, <laughs> but you get Froyo 24-7. Those yeah. got those machines. You get to go out onto the deck at night and see nothingness and all this yep. kind of stuff. Cruises are fun, but they are very unsanitary. Yeah. But, hey, man, fuck it, man. 2020, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, wow. we're going to talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about some more fucked up shit, man. So uh, stick around. Do you love true crime? Do you love the 90s? Well, I've got a brand new true crime podcast for you called 90s Crime Time. I'm your host, Simone, and on this show, you'll hear cases from theft to kidnapping to murder, all from this great decade of 1990 to 1999. Unlike the O.J. Simpson trial, the Columbine High School massacre, and the Oklahoma City bombing, On this show, I'd like to focus on lesser-known 90s crime cases that did not make much, if any, national news. You'll hear cases such as the murder of Sharice Iverson, the death of Tommy Burke, the Stardust Casino robbery, the murder of Diane Nash, and others. 
on 90s Crime Time, you're more than likely going to be amazed at just how many violent crimes occurred during this time period. Scorned lovers, serial killers, and baby killers were just some of the types of murderers that committed grisly crimes throughout the 90s. I will warn you, some of these crimes I will talk about may make you sad, angry, or maybe even a little scared. Listener discretion is always advised, and I hope that you'll tune in every Wednesday and Thursday for a brand new episode of 90s Crime Time. You can find 90s Crime Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also find 90s Crime Time on social media apps such as Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. I'd love for you to take a listen, maybe follow, and maybe leave a rating or two. Don't forget to tell your friends and family about 90s Crime Time, and I'll see you soon on the show. Welcome back, people. All right, it's my time to do uh, My Affirmative Murder this week. This week is the terrifying story of Bella Kiss, mm. Hungary's most murderous bachelor. Bella, like Jada Kiss? Bella Kiss? Yeah, Bella Kiss. Bella Kiss. Yeah. Uh, so I got this website. Um, I got this story from mentalflaws.com, as uh-huh. we mentioned earlier. Yep. And this was written by um, Deanna, is either Siapa or Chiapa. Mm, okay. Oh, but shout outs to you. Shout out to her. So for centuries, the vampire has captured imaginations and inspired nightmares in communities around the world. Yes. And while Romania's Transylvania region has long dominated the vampire-related conversation, for a few decades in the early 20th century, the most feared blood drainer in the world was not Dracula, but a person from Romania's neighbor to the West, Hungary. So Belichus seemed to have it all. By 1914, the handsome 37-year-old who had blonde hair and sparkling blue eyes, mm-hmm. who'd earned his, who earned his living as a, a tinsmith and running successful businesses, but also dabbed in astrology and, and was said to have a keen interest in occult practices. Mm, sounds like a Cullen from the Twilight series. <laughs> uh, so he was well-liked by his neighbors in the town of Chincota, which is outside Budapest, okay. and never seemed to be without a girl on his arm. Mm, hold True? On, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, whoa. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk about it. True, it was always a different girl, and none of them were local. And no one, not even his elderly housekeeper, Miss Jokubek, knew their names. But he earned her loyalty. He earned the loyalty of Miss Jokubek uh, nonetheless, and she kept faithful watch over his home in in Kusuf Street for two years after he was um, conscripted into the Austro-Hungarian military to fight in World War I. Oh, wow. Still handsome or not, well liked or otherwise, when there's a war, when there's a war on, no one can wait long to make a buck. Mm-hmm. In July 1960, after rumors be- began circulating that Kiss had been captured and possibly killed in Serbia, oh. his landlord began preparing to lease the house of the house on Kusov Street again. Damn, she's like, this is a free room. Yeah, so I got to get this money. Yeah, I mean, the guy behind us just got kicked out of his house, man. I mean, it's not funny, but. That guy, he was renting it from somebody. Well, not renting. He was staying at his friend's house, uh-huh. and he was like, "I mean, I, I mean, I can't afford to have you staying here." And now the guy's selling the house, so the guy had to move, and they're selling the house. Oh, dang! Yeah. Uh, Why? Because he wasn't paying rent, also. Yeah, it was like a friend. It was like, oh, it's it? like okay. it would be like if I had an extra house and you you were hard up and like, you could yeah. stay there. But then this shit happens, and it's like, look, man, I, I got to sell this house, man. I can't. You can't stay here anymore. Yeah, man. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, so she was essentially his uh property manager, I guess you sure. want to say, uh-huh. and. 
she hear news that he he's died and got kidnapped or whatever. So yeah. like, I gotta I gotta clean this bitch, yeah. clean the shit up, and then get rid of it. Um. Yeah. So she began to pre- she began to prepare to lease the house on Crystal Street again. Mm-hmm. Upon arriving at the property, um, she noticed seven large metal drums that had been left outside the house. Ooh. It was widely assumed that these were storing oil, oil or gas in the face, um, in the face of hostilities. Through some, through some neighbor, this is what some neighbors thought. Of, yeah. You know why they was out there, but some neighbors also thought that he was just holding liquor in those those drums outside right. the house. So the landlord decided to open one of the drums, which had been um, soldered shut. So I guess she was just like, you know, why he Curious, was around curious. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying before you, oh. you know, I'm not supposed to touch none of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, he just said what, don't touch. Yeah, his don't things. touch. But yeah. he's not here now. So yeah, let me go ahead and take, take a, a little peek. peek. Yeah. yeah. So as soon as she punctured the lid, the landlord was hit with a a very terrible odor of death. Oh. A neighbor who happened to be a chemist confirmed, like, who? Yeah. <laughs> who just, like, uh, I know what that smell yeah. is. <laughs> so a neighbor who happened to be a chemist confirmed that this was the scent of rotting flesh. Yep. So Kiss's landlord quickly, quickly informed the police in Budapest who sent Dr. Charles Nagy, Detective chief of Budapest police out to investigate when Nagy and two of his men arrived at the property they immediately opened the first drum mm. submerged in a submerged in a in a brand of meth a methanol was relatively well-preserved body of a young woman with long brown hair oh so this this just holds off decom- de- yeah, um, decomposition. decomposition yeah it's like how you, the people have those specimen jars yeah they keep like you know aborted babies and things in you know like in some kind oh, of weird, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, brains yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's weird um so yeah, so it was a young woman with long brown hair, along with a rope that had that um that she had attached to her that was used to strangle her. Oh wow. Yeah. Um the six other drums also was the same thing, was grizzly grizzly contents in it, a naked or partially clothed corpse of a young woman and the same murder weapon. Mm. A lengthy rope. rope yeah. The the methanol, also known as wood alcohol, acted as a preser- a preservative to keeping um decomposition to a minimum. So the seven drums was only the beginning. Nagy and his men continued to search the property at Kusuf Street and soon discovered an entire cache of drums buried around the property. So he had the drums that was outside the back of the house or whatever, uh-huh. and he had some that was buried, you know, In around the, gr- the house. Under the ground. Yeah. Oh, wow. So each open lid revealed another young corpse oh until somewhere between 24 and 30 were logged in the police file. Oh. All the victims had been strangled. Some reportedly had dual puncture marks on their necks oh. and as though kiss had drained them of their blood. It's not clear whether he did, if, whether he did or not, but theorizing around the, the wounds has led some of the dub, let some to dub Bella kiss as the vampire of Jinkota. Mm. Now what I did read in, um, and, uh, I saw in the video, just like a little side note, because this wasn't mentioned in her, it's weird how when you read different stuff, people have these different type of information, so you don't know what's true or not. Yeah. But I did, I did hear in the video that Bella Kiss was married, so he did have a wife. Okay. I think she was, um, he was like ten, maybe ten, eleven years older than his wife. Oh. But she ended up leaving him for a younger man. Oh. So what happened was he was no heartbroken about that, and he told his neighbors that his wife and the younger guy ran off. Oh, but the but the neighbor wow. said that they never even 
remember them running off together. Right. They just were never seen. They again. just was never <laughs> were never seen again. Yeah. And that's when he became this bachelor and started loving this bachelor lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Look how easy it is to lie. Yeah. But this is pretty far back, right? This is before Dracula. This is hundreds of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's like, um, they just left. Okay. Yeah. It's like you could tell somebody that, and they go, they're skeptical about the story. But it's like, how can I we? Can't prove it. One, it's not my business. And this is like, yeah. I think he killed him. But you yeah, know, yeah. But so. I can't prove it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the sight of two dozens, two dozen, uh, pickled bodies were was oh. horrifying. What Nagy found inside Kiss's home was downright bizarre. Most rooms yielded yielded no clues that linked former occupant to the brutal murder and meticulous um, preservation of so many young people. A distraught Miss Jokubek denied any knowledge of the bodies or their identities, which I believe she she didn't. I don't think she knew. You think she thinks she knew? Yeah, man. She she's knew. her. She's his Igor. She's his little minion within the house. I don't, I, don't I, I don't know how you hide. He's burying bodies and all this. How did she not see that? Is she? Did she live there too? She I don't also think lived? so. Oh, she just would come by and help him out from time yeah. to time. Uh, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Um. I, I it comes up why why I don't think she knew about it. Okay. Um. Yeah. So she denied the knowledge of any of the bodies or identities. Well, my reason for right out of the gate for thinking that she might not know is that she, if she allegedly, according to this story, if she was the first person to be kind of inquisitive and look into the drums, she wouldn't have done that if she knew what was in there. She probably would have just left. Yeah. If 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 anything, somebody the you know somebody coming along and being like, we're going to lease this property, you'd go, oh shit, the body's all around. I'm getting the fuck out of here because of what he was doing. Is that why you said that's why you think that's she why did I think know? she didn't know she did because know. she stuck around and was like, what's in this drum? As yeah. opposed to she's gone. She just left town. Yeah. And then some other people come and kind of go those two chemists, that chemist guy's like, what are these drums? If he would have opened them first and that lady just was gone, then I would have gone. Oh yeah. She knew she fled. She ran. She fled away from town. Yeah. But she stuck around and opened the drum or was curious. Yeah. I wouldn't have brought attention to it if I knew what was in there already. Yeah. True. Um, so, uh, she was also she was adamant in her defense of Kiss, going so far to describe a time where he tended to he tended to injure injuries of one of the neighborhood dogs. So I guess just trying to like boost him up, humanize him, make him sound like a good guy. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. Um, You can take care of a dog I mean, and still be a horrible, brutal, brutal murderer. She's holding him down for sure. So uh, the naggy the naggy arrived at, at a locked door. So now they're in the house. Mm-hmm. So Miss Jokerbeck explained that. Though she was in possession of the key, Kiss had instructed her to never enter this this room. Uh huh. Um, so there was there was a good reason for that. Sure, I'm when sure. When Nagy went inside, he found a room stuffed with evidence of Kiss misdeeds. Mm. Bookshelves filled with volumes, um, volumes on poisoning, strangulation. Oh. Um, lined lined the little office. So it was like a little office room. Yeah. A desk and chair that stood in the center. Weird. Oh. And it was it was inside the desk that Nagy hit the inventory inventory jackpot. So mm. it was this um they had a picture it was like a wallet. It was like this old zip wallet and it had like notes and letters mm. from Kiss and whoever all of these women that he Oh had. wow. Like some correspondence, some 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 like some text messages before text messages. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Okay. Well I'm gonna get into that now. So documents within the, the desk reveal that Kiss has spent more than a decade corresponding with dozens of women. Mm. He advertised in Budapest newspaper under the name Hoffman, 
claiming to be lonely, claiming to be a lonely man in search of a wife, mm. preferably one of a small fortune. I mean, one of no small fortune. Oh, okay. When such, when such a woman responded, as many as many did, he apparently visited her, visited her in her city, mm-hmm. gave her gifts, and generally romanced her, all while probing for information on whether or not she had close relatives nearby. Mm. So he wanted poor people who didn't come from you know a t- intact family who wouldn't be missed essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. So those who were more or less alone, he continued to woo in letters. Yeah. Convincing them to spend him to send him large amounts, large sums of money, oh. or in some cases their entire savings, okay. in order to start a life together. One woman, Catherine Varga, sold her, um, sold her profi- profitable dressmaking business, which is crazy. He's just a man. But if um, she go, but if it, I don't agree, I think everybody should maintain their independence. But if you go. Yeah, but he doesn't want me to work, and he's so rich, and he just wants—he just wants to wait on me hand and foot, and he doesn't want me to work anymore. So I said, "All right, fine, I love him." You know, if if a person can convince you of that, that's great. I guess I sell your business under the guise of you don't—you don't have to work. Okay, I don't believe in. That. I think everybody should yeah, have yeah, some yeah. semblance, and you should never wrap your entire livelihood around a person. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, my my grandmother always says, "God bless the child who has his own." Yeah. You know, you don't want somebody to be able to take the roof over your head because yeah. they're mad at you or anything like that, you know. So that's a horrible situation to be. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, for some women or people, there's dudes who like to be kept people, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I don't have to work anymore. And they have more money than my business even gets. So I'll have a better life with less work. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I actually read somewhere. It's called um, dependent personality disorder or something like that. Like you need to be so like on, need like, somebody to take care of you. Take, yeah, like emotionally and physically. Yeah, oh, that's everything. definitely a thing. Yeah, for sure. Wow, I just happened to read that. So I don't even know where the hell I even got that from. Uh, so yeah, so she sold her business and she was last seen last seen leaving her house in Budapest and joined Kiss and Jinkota. So Kiss reportedly received a whopping 174 proposals of marriage through his advertising. How many? 174. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, it's like that. It's like that show about prison marriage. And those dudes get a lot of letters. Do they? And the girls get a lot of letters. Like if a girl goes onto it, makes a profile, and and is looking for love for outside of the prison. Outside of the prison, those dudes. It's like them. a website for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's they got they everything. got internet and they got internet in jail. Oh yeah, now they do. Yeah, they make TikToks yeah, yeah. and all kinds oh. of shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook Live. What the fuck they doing in there? You supposed to be in prison. Learning to learn your, your damn lesson. lesson. Not to be. I've seen some videos. Dudes having a ball in prison, having fun, <laughs> and girls all on the live. And, oh, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. People are not scared to go to prison anymore. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So he had 174 pr- proposals of marriage through his advertising, mm. um, and accepted marriage from no less than 74 women. Oh, at least 20, at least 20 who came to Jinkota to meet therein. Perhaps because they realized their error and threatened to reveal Kiss for what he was, mm. or perhaps because he simply enjoyed gross acts of violence. Mm. So some of them got a weird vibe from him and got up out of there. Yeah, yeah. So each of the 74 had their own packet of correspondence in Kiss's desk. Mm. And Nagy reached out to the local police to trace the women. Several of the bodies were identified, though it is unclear just how many Nagy was able to put a name to. Mm. One woman who was named, whose name was found stitched into the clothing of in Kiss's house, was later identified as Julian Pashik. Her name appeared in court records in Budapest. 
she had sued Kiss for defrauding her of money oh, wow. on the promise of marriage. Um, her case was thrown out when she failed to show up to the hearing. I wonder oh, why. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Upon discovery, the first seven bodies Nagy had notified to the Hungarian army to arrest Belikis. Now, he's still alive. Oh. Well, all this. Because he's, so he he's in a He was just presumed dead. He got captured or something, right? Is that what you well, actually, nobody knows. Okay, nobody yeah, yeah. even knows. But they were like, "If he is alive, yeah. lock him down." Yeah, we're gonna notify the military that hey, you know, we got this going on. Um, so they notified Hungarian army to arrest um, Belikis if he was still alive, mm-hmm. and had frozen any postal or telegraphic correspondence that mm, might be headed up. yep Kiss's way. Mm. Now, with this guy, I feel like he had this talent of knowing when something's. He had like Spidey sensors or something. Like he knew something wasn't right. Or he like, had little birds, man. That like that lady, what she could have sent him a letter. But some other shit happens where it's like, how does oh, he, he had a feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, like when you're just, doing evil shit like this, you gotta suspect that there's always somebody trying to catch you. But I just feel like it, for him, it was a talent though. Like sure, he just had this thing where it's like, oh, something ain't right. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, this is going a bad yeah, way. Yeah, and uh, and it comes up why I think that. Okay. Um. So yeah, they tried to they tried to pause all his any any type of communication he had with um other people. Right. But in the summer of 1916, the Hungarian army was in the middle of a war, and to compound the difficulty, the name Bella and Kiss were very common among Hungarians. Wow. Yep. Still, when word came in October that the name Bella Kiss was hospitalized in Serbia, Nagy took off right away. Mm. While military authorities at the hospital believed they had the right man. Nagy would never find out for certain. Kiss or not, whoever the slippery soldier was, he found a way to escape before Nagy could arrive. Wow. Throwing off hospital staff by placing a dead man in his bed. Oh, wow. Yep. That guy has a very Hannibal Lecter type of vibe to him, man. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's what I mean by he just like, just he just, yeah. not just get felt away. something was up. Not just get away, but buy some more time by putting a person there. Yeah. Yep. You know, wow. So the hospital encountered encounter would be the closest anyone would come to catching um, Hungary's lonely heart slayer. Though over the decades, several people would claim to spot him. And, you know, we've done stories well. Like, yeah. Especially as news of his crime spread throughout the world, one witness saw him in Budapest in 1919. Other claimed Kiss was with a French foreign um, legion as Hoffman in 1920. Mm. Others put him in Romania and Turkey. Every time a sighting was investigated, the mysterious target would vanish. Wasn't Hoffman the name that he used in the newspaper when he would um, yeah. talk to the ladies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yep. okay. Yeah. In 1932, a New York City detective with a famous memory for faces was sure he spotted Kiss exiting a subway station in Times Square, mm. but lost him in the crowd. Like, this dude just was like, something about that guy standing over there. Yeah, him just, I see him watching just, me. Just ducked off go, into, on, go into a heavy crowd and just disappear. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the last report investigation into a sighting was in 1936 when rumors circulated that Kiss was working as a janitor in a New York City apartment building. Which is wild. Just laying super low. <laughs> right. When police stopped by to check it out, however, they found he disappeared. Wow. We may hmm. never know how and when Kiss met his end or whether he... Limited, limited his killing to the um, to the bodies found at his home. What is for certain is that the prolific, I mean, mm, prolific murder murderer cast his long dark shadow across the early ni- early twentieth century in in the West, and somehow, whether through cunning, 
luck or accident evaded the justice he deserved. Jeez. Yeah. So, um, I think he probably was dead a long time ago. But it's not as fun of a story. But it's not as good of a story as yeah, yeah, yeah. him just people spotting him and he just keep getting away. That's the cool thing about <laughs> uh, that's the cool thing about like folklore and um, stories and all this kind of stuff. Like they kind of take on this life of their own. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these that's I mean the first person that ever you know there was a person who might have stabbed somebody and then or bit somebody's neck and then it looked like they drank their blood but they were just trying to do whatever in the fight and then vamp and then it became vampires over time yeah zombies was started with some dude that people thought was dead but they just didn't have the technology hundreds of years ago to really tell if somebody was dead and then they did a funeral and then he woke up at the funeral and they're like oh he's a zombie yeah and over time it becomes eating brains and demonic and all this kind of stuff yeah so it's really interesting to see this dude who did this horrible thing but then he it became it became such a big story that it was like oh he's got to be still doing this and we, i saw him here and i saw him here and bella bella kiss and all you know yeah. so that's crazy he might have had like a woman or one of his neighbors or something was like probably wrote to him they're after you or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Just, been, that's, yeah. that's crazy. I feel that, but it's pretty cool to be like, yeah, we saw him here. We saw him here. Go check it out. And then like, gone. Not even like a like, go see a janitor and his fucking clothes is like landing in the middle of a buff floor. Or something. Yeah. So he he felt you guys <laughs> the were coming. Machine is still running away. Yeah. He, he put another <laughs> disguise on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so that was um Bella Kiss. Bella Kiss. He looks like um Pac or whatever his name is. Pac. Uh, what's the one you did? Pac two. What was his name? Oh, Tupac. That was his name? The cult leader? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He got uh, like a... The, his name wasn't... His name, he had something Pac in it. I can't it remember. It was something his, like that. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now. I know you're talking about the cult leader. He was the the leader of the thuggy cult. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name right now. It might have been something with Pac, Pac in it. It might not have been. He just looked like Tupac. He looked a lot like Tupac. Maybe that just would The leader of the thuggy cult. <laughs> <laughs> the leader of the thuggy cult. I know you're talking about. I can't remember his name right now, though. But the leader... Look up the leader of the thuggy cult, and you'll know who we were talking about. Um. Wow. Yeah, no, that was that was um intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, whew. All right, well, you know what time it is. Let's uh go ahead and get into these good vibes, man. Welcome back, people. Now it's time for our good vibes segment. Um, it's, it's always much needed after we you know after you hear the stories about fucked up shit. Um, we always need to end on a high note. So my good vibe this week is about um Archie Archie Williams. So nearly four decades after being wrong, wrongfully convicted in 1982, Archie Williams got the chance of a lifetime to fulfill one of his long-held dreams. He gave a stunning performance of Elton John's Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me mm. to a standing ovation on America's Got Talent. I'm sure you guys have seen that TV show. It's a big, yes. pretty big TV show. Big show. If you don't, then you must live under rocks. Yeah. Uh, but before he sang for the judges, Williams revealed a shocking story I'm sure they already. I didn't see the clip. Oh yeah, everything's sure pre-produced. Everything. Okay. Ever since right. Les, our, our friend Les did American Idol, all those shows are such bullshit to me. Ever since you told me about that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every show I've watched, I mean, I go, yeah, I go. The producers made that shit. Yeah, up. I mean, the stories are still true, but they'll go, "Hey man, they put tell, a tell a little sad. Tell it be sad." When we when we film, all that's all those little shots of them like with their head in their laps and oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. That's all somebody telling you. Hey, go over in that corner and look sad. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I'm yeah. not taking anything away from whatever you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. But before he sang for the judges, Williams revealed a shocking story. Excuse me. I was incarcerated for 37 years for somebody mm. else's crime. Mm. 37 years. Oh, damn. That's 37. That's a, that's life. a lifetime. Yeah, that's Thrown oh away. my God. Uh, so, yeah, he was 
incarcerated for 37 years for somebody else's crime, mm. Williams told the judges. DNA freed me. Yes. In a preview for the forthcoming season of the 59-year-old's emotional and now viral audition included the story of his exoneration. Mm. Williams was in prison until 2019 when new evidence which linked another individual to the crime led to a new trial and his release. Mm. According to the Innocence Project... Shout out to the Williams. Innocence Project, Shout man. Shout out. In the clip, Williams, re- Williams explained what happened what happened to him. On the morning of December 9th, 1982, a 30... We, we wasn't even Alive. thought about yet. A thought. So on the morning of December 9th, 1982, a 30-year-old white man was raped and stabbed... In, man? I mean, oh, sorry. Oh. White, <laughs> white woman was raped and stabbed in her home. I was arrested on January 4th. I couldn't believe it. Mind I his was, business. I was really happy... It was really happening. I knew I was innocent. Mm. He didn't commit a crime, he said. But being a poor black kid, I didn't have the economic ability to fight the state of Louisiana. Mm. Hey. Let's talk about Louisiana. Listen, man. Hey, man. I'm not here to shit on Louisiana, man. Yeah. People get wrongfully convicted everywhere. Yeah. At the trial, none of the fingerprints at the scene match mine. Wow. Three people testified that I was at home. Wow. But they wanted somebody to pay. Mm. I was sentenced to life in 80 years without mm. the, pro- the possibility of parole. And probation. Good thing they didn't have like the death penalty. Oh my God. Williams described the experience as a nightmare and said he turned to music and prayer to get through the dark times. Uh, to get through 37 years. 37 years, bro. He said he used he used to watch America's Got Talent while in prison. Oh, that's powerful. I would I would visualize myself being there. Mm. I was desired I always desired to be on stage like this. Mm. When host Terry Crews asked Williams how he was able to survive the situation, the singer responded, Freedom is of the mind. I went to prison, but I never let my mind go to prison. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Um. So check that video out. You probably, I'm sure you, you probably find that video everywhere because it's going super viral right yes, now. Yes, for sure. Um, that is crazy. Absolutely. It takes a man. very strong human being to keep a smile on your keep face a smiling face like and that. then not to go, not to lose your mind mentally. Yeah. Like you, that is wild. Thirty-seven years. That's man. a long time. That's longer than I've been alive. God um, bless. God bless Archie Williams. Yeah, man. I'm glad he's out living a dream. Yeah. I'm hoping he's, you know, his family's still around. He can make up some lost time. Yeah. So shout out to him for sure. Man. That's, that's, that's crazy, man. My story isn't as powerful as that, but it is powerful in its own way. Uh, this week, my Good Vibe story is about uh, the Canadian government and how they are buying hotels and houses for homeless people um, and also rehiring, rehiring the workers at the hotels and the houses that they're buying. Yeah, man. I kind of want to move there. I just want to. To Canada? Yeah. Yeah, they got some cool cities in Canada, man. I've never been, but I just like the vibes that they give off. So yes. Yeah, I, I, I was, always wanted to go to Vancouver. I was going to go to Toronto, obviously. And uh, um, the poutine. You know, the poutine is, is very delicious. That I, is like a Canadian like dish. Yes, right? fries with cheese and gravy on it. It's delicious. But I haven't got an authentic I'm not poutine. I not say what I want to say, but. Okay, don't. Because if it's slander and poutine, we can cut the music. It can get very ungood in here real quick. Yeah, it can. Anyway. Well, what I, you know. Any, anyway. I heard, but, anyway. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the British the British Columbian government has managed to provide housing for more than 200 homeless Canadians while simultaneously bringing economic support to struggling hotels during the COVID-19 crisis. This week, which is last week now, uh, provincial legislators purchased the Comfort Inn Hotel in Victoria for $18.5 million mm. as a means of sheltering homeless people living in, sh- in the streets uh, in street encampments amidst the uh, pandemic. In addition to the hotel being equipped with 65 rooms for temporary accommodations, the province is also rehiring laid-off hotel workers to help manage the facility. Mm. Often people experience homelessness 
Often people experiencing homelessness are not able to access the, uh, the support and services they need, said Shane Simpson, the Minister of Social Development and, Proper and Poverty Reduction. Uh, the purchase of the Comfort Inn combined with medical and social supports will help people make the transition from the street to uh, permanent housing. This is not the first uh, facility that the province has purchased to accommodate homeless people. In the city of Prince Rupert, the province purchased the former raffle the former raffles Inn motel in order to convert it into a permanent supportive house building with up to 48 units each with private washrooms showers and mini kitchens once complete the building will have the capacity for a 35 space temporary shelter on or an extreme weather response shelter for by 2021 which is really good i always think about when it gets cold that's the first thing i think about is people who are on the street you yeah. know and that they should just have somewhere to go that's warm at the very least you know like that's yeah. the bare minimum as a human being like being able to be by a warm fire or be in a warm building you know and you know their british columbia is making that happen uh both of these purchases are part of, of a province-wide mission to build roughly 3300 new affordable housing units for seniors indigenous people low-income families women and children escaping abuse students and people experiencing or at risk of homelessness According to the BC Housing Twitter page, 289 rough sleepers have already been moved into temporary housing for the duration of the pandemic. This is this is a uh, substantial. This is a substantial investment in our community and will provide housing for those who need it most, says Lisa Helps, mayor of the city of Victoria. This site has has significant redevelopment potential to provide a range of affordable housing in the long term. I look forward to working with the community and with BC Housing to determine the long-term use of the site. People will have access to the services such as meals, healthcare services, uh, addiction treatment, and harm reduction, storage for personal belongings, and because you know people can get their shit stolen on the street. It's just a whole life you don't even know what's going on. Other, yeah. I'm speaking on things that I only know a little bit about, but I can't. The struggles that they have are struggles you could never even imagine about. You know, like where you put your stuff where you leave your stuff when you have to go in to use some bathroom at a McDonald's or whatever, you got to worry about coming out and your stuff stolen and shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just it's crazy, man. Um, so all those things, including including 24-7 staff to provide security of residents of the building and the surrounding neighborhoods. Um, so shout out to British Columbia and, you know, the Canadian government for, you know, taking initiative. Because meanwhile, we have places like Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Las Vegas who have these giant hotels that are currently being unused or at least at a point during this pandemic are being unused. And they also have a massive amount of homeless people just still on the streets, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think that the amount of, the amount of uh, positive media attention a, a hotel business would get for doing something like that would benefit them in the long run so much more. But it, it always takes one to do it first. And I haven't heard of anybody doing it in, yeah. in, in America. And this was in Canada, right? This was in Canada. Yeah. I mean, like looking the, out for the Canadian people. Yeah, I mean, like the Bellagio, the MGM, you know, Trump Towers, even any of these places, they have hundreds and hundreds of rooms, you know, that are just being unused right now. Yeah, but they're not going to take the homeless. People. I know they're not, but imagine it's what doing. Imagine what doing that would do for their public image, and then when everything goes back to normal, it's like, oh, I'm going to go stay at that place. They did something really cool. Yeah, you know, you get that kind of wave of support, you know. But it, it all it always takes one to go in their pocket and take the hit up front to see if if it, if this theory is true. Trump Towers ain't doing that. Yeah. I'm not going into that. Yeah. <laughs> Was he playing golf? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, those are the good vibes this week. Uh, you know, I'm really liking this new uh, setup, man. It's it's, it's 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 bringing out some some uh, some very fun productivity. Yeah, and uh, you know, so uh, it's good, good, man. Yeah, man, I, I like it. Um, anyway, this has been another episode of Affirmative. Is there anything else we? Shirt should be coming out soon. Oh yeah, no uh, the shirt, the shirts, the shirts should be starting to be delivered. Um, as of May twenty first, they should have started being printed and yeah. mailed out, and they should start being out at people's doorsteps no later than the first week of June. Yeah. People should start, but by between now and the first week of June, we should start hearing, um, you know, messages from people saying that yeah. they got the shirts. I would, I would suggest you guys. I want y'all guys to upload. This is a. Do this. Upload pictures with your shirt. Put it yes. somewhere. Put it like we did the stickers. Absolutely. Let us know where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know uh, where, yeah, where you're yeah. at. to some. We start, start some type of hashtag. I don't know. What, you got anything in mind? Like uh, <laughs> on no. the spot? Yeah. Nah. I mean, hashtag, <laughs> if it, if it, ha, hashtag shirt gang would be right out of the bat, but we can come up with something better. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah no. Let us know where you're repping. Yeah. You know, if it's New Orleans, if yeah. it's if it's you know Montana, wherever you're from, let us know where you you know send send us a picture repping your shirt, and yeah. also give us feedback to let us know how the shirts fit, how they feel. Yes. So that the next time we know how we can improve on those things. Yes. Good point, friend. That was a good that was a good thing to, to end on and and reiterate. So yeah. the shirts will be coming out within the next couple of weeks. Let us know what you think of the shirts, and let us know where you where you're um representing, so we know kind of our reach and what's going on. Uh, with that being said, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.